Dan and Corey here, welcoming you in to Libservative. The great fundamental issue now before our people. All right, welcome in. Here to we are. Special, uh, well, it's Sunday morning edition for Corey Walsh as he uh, sits out on the West Coast, a little hungover. Yeah, I got a little hangover hanging around. <laughs> we will get hair the dog right now. You're out there. For I feel a- stupid, Dan. I feel like I drank away like ten or fifteen of my IQ points last night. <laughs> Don't worry. Just sitting here, slack jawed, staring at the screen. Just take some, uh, just take some mescaline, and you'll get them right back. That's all you gotta <laughs> do. Uh, yeah. So many of you might be wondering. This is actually kind of an impromptu deal. Uh, we were not able to do our typical Thursday broadcast. So if you were looking for us, we apologize for that. But we are here. Better late than never. Corey I was got lost in the mountains. Corey got lost in the mountains. He almost <laughs> fell. He almost fell down a waterfall. Uh, if you're watching live, you might notice Corey's camera popping in and out. He's at a hotel, but whatever. It's all about the audio, anyway. Uh, so, anyway, he's Corey Walsh, and he is Dan Griffin. What's new, Dan? How's it back? Uh, back home? Anything exciting? It's gonna be like 100 degrees on Wednesday. Jesus, I'm gonna be on a train. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm just enjoying a, a a Bloody Mary with some of that delicious Northern Latitudes horseradish vodka. On a, well, now it's a, it's almost two o'clock here. So, but uh, I'm actually kind of glad uh, that we we waited till Sunday to do this because it gave us a chance to watch the Nothing Burger that is the uh, the or that was the January six hearings. Uh, I don't want to start there. We'll get to that eventually. We've, we're going to talk about CNN's overhaul. Uh, we're going to talk about some more Stock Act violators in Congress. That 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 story that always seems to kind of get hidden because it makes our government look bad. And uh, I've got an, an interesting monologue about uh, the the Saudi Golf League and the geopolitics that goes on there. Uh, it's it's pretty pisses me off quite a bit because when the sports media gets involved in politics or geopolitics, you can see why most of the sports media is very good at what they do, but they're only good at really one thing, which is discussing <laughs> sports. So. It's it's like it's like a weird shut up and dribble little montage from me for for the sports media as opposed to the athletes. So, uh, this overhaul at CNN, Corey. Yeah. So apparently, uh, the new guy, uh, CNN's new boss, Chris Licht, is that how you say it? Licht. I think Licht. so. Yeah. Is uh, monitoring anchors to ensure their tone follows the network's plan to become less partisan and personalities such as Brian Stelter and Jim Acosta could be forced out according to the report. This is on the New York post. So, you know, like it's a very right leaning article talking about it, but we've talked about this before. CNN is talking about overhauling their whole platform to make it more like news and not making it so partisan. So it's kind of interesting. I thought it was a nice little takeoff story. And the fact that, uh, your favorite man, Brian Stelter. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's the might, first. You, you might not, you might not be able to watch him on CNN anymore, Dan. He's he's the he's the first one that comes to mind. And look, to me, this is like this is cable the cable news media, and CNN had to be the first to do it because they're currently in last place. They had something like six hundred thousand primetime viewers in one month. I mean, uh, even even just like 
average popular uh, current events and political podcasts get more than that in a month. Just average. Yeah. That's not even talking about, you know, the breaking points and the Joe Rogans of the world that get millions and millions uh, in, in a month. So for the longest time, these these cable news networks, instead of just eating what is eating the shit that they were producing, they were constantly blaming viewers. Viewers are idiots. Viewers are tuning into these. Yeah, it's, it's a Democrat thing. Yeah, to these outsider. <laughs> yeah, to these outsider uh, places that uh, we're, we're the most trusted name in news. But the problem is, you've literally, you've almost literally lied about everything. And and we'll get into th- this a little bit more when we talk about January sixth. But one example I wanted to give is things like January sixth, right? So w- when you're talking about whether or not Donald Trump is a bad president or a bad human being or Marjorie Taylor Greene is a bad representative or a bad human being, they do a good enough job at making themselves look ridiculous, incompetent, and asinine all on their own merit. You don't need to make shit up about them to add to it to make it seem like it's worse than it is. Just print the story or talk about the story. But that's what they do. They got to add like this little extra thing. Like that's what Russiagate was. That's what uh, just, yeah, some of the January 6th stuff was. It and just make it way more than it is. Yeah. And you lose credibility it's, that it's, way, it's, don't you? Sensationalize it. That's what that's probably the word we're looking for. But w- what we're noticing is that like with shows like Breaking Points, with shows like uh, Part of the Problem with Dave Smith and and Joe Rogan, you don't need to do that. Like people are interested enough to hear what the story actually is without you adding on bullshit to make you hate to make everybody hate their neighbor. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't need to be sensationalized when people just want the substance. They just want the meat to it, you know. And I think the Chris Licht guy, the new guy coming into CNN, realizes that he sees this method, you know, this model working great. People, he's like, oh wow, people just like news. So. Looking at that picture of Chris Licht, he kind of looks like the love child of like Kiefer Sutherland, and uh, who's the other guy I'm thinking of? The Doogie Howser guy, <laughs> Neil, Neil Patrick Harris, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, he does. He looks so happy that he's gonna be fucking up uh, Jim Acosta's and Brian Stelter's life in that picture. And and then look, he's he's the first one to be like. To, to, to instead of saying the quiet part out loud, he's now saying the loud part out loud. Like our product fucking sucks. This product sucks. Pe- uh-huh. People are tired of the bullshit. They're tired of the identity politics. And <clears throat> if CNN can really make this overhaul, I'll be interested to see what happens to their ratings. I'll be interested to see if you know if they could take over at least at least surpass MSNBC. Fox News is going to be a little tough because they've got an older audience, a more conservative audience, and. At least Fox News, while I can't stand any of the people on there, at least what you sometimes get, especially with a guy like Tucker, is honesty. You might disagree with him, but he, there's there's an honesty to him that like he he really feels the way that his opinions are coming across, and he articulates them well. He just he doesn't just go, "Oh, liberals are bad. Don't be a liberal," and we should, we should throw, we should throw <coughs> like them all the, in prison. Like the rest of Fox News, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's 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 the uh, only one. That Laura Ingram bitch. Oh my god. I I tried to watch a little bit of her after January sixth, just because the or the January sixth hearings, just because I was trying to watch CNN, MSNBC, and Fox to just kind of see how the the recap was going. Isn't that fun? It's oh my god. <laughs> it it's awful. It's like 
because Rachel Maddow was on at the time on MSNBC, and I'm watching her, and, I, and like she annoys the shit out of me, but I, I at least kind of like know what she's gonna say, and it doesn't like shock me. Laura Ingram just she just spouts off at the mouth, man. She's just got overly overzealous opinions to 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 spew out there for cable news in my opinion she is just oh uh, yeah she's she's, she's worse than sean hannity way worse how? i don't even know how but she is is it is it that female thing like that that like in, in certain work environments females sometimes feel like they have something to prove so they have to go a little bit overboard we talk about that with lady cops a lot maybe <laughs> Could, i don't know be because that. well that's i don't know because like uh, like Rachel Maddow doesn't necessarily do that. Like she does, she does her own thing. That like, yeah, but Rachel Maddow is also the top dog at MSNBC. Oh, uh, I can say what you're saying. Laura Ingram. Laura Ingram is trying to get that Tucker Carlson spot. She's probably uh, third place behind Hannity and Tucker. Wouldn't she be? I don't know. I'm I'm tired of talking about this now. Uh, <laughs> anyway, what what do you pull away from Chris Licht's move or potential moves here for CNN? I, I don't see how. I personally don't see how it could be a bad thing. Yeah, I don't see it as a bad thing at all. I see, you know, like CNN. I mean, well, CNN's kind of just stuck in their own little thing. Like MSNBC has quartered or cornered the uh, like the left people who are interested in watching news media, and Fox News has cornered the right. And then there's people in the middle who don't want necessarily to see like a news outlet that's just going to like just check off their little boxes. So they're going to want like as evidenced by the podcasts we're talking about that are expanding and stuff like that, like the breaking points and stuff. And if they try to go back to a model like that, they might actually find room and space to grow and actually be able to do something. And it would probably be better for the country if people are just getting actual news delivered, not, not biased, opinionated news pieces. Well, and I think a lot of it has to do with this, this, there's a lot of pushback from from younger generations. I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna say like our. I'm gonna say like millennials and under, right? Even even some younger Gen Xers too. I would say that are just so they're just so tired of being fed this bullshit, and and we're and we're so tired of being talked to like we're stupid, and like if we don't feel a certain way, then we're evil, and no nuance. You, you don't get as much of that with Fox News again because. It's a little bit different just because it does have such an, so much of an older audience. But these other two networks are going to have to figure it out, especially yeah. CNN, because they're like lost right now. They can't, they can't figure out what they are or what they want to be. I would love to see CNN actually go back to just being like just a normal delivery news source. I'd also love to see History Channel go back to actually doing history. Right. And I'd love to see the Discovery Channel going back to doing stuff about like discovery and science and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I would. Uh, well, aren't they all owned by the same place now? I think so. I know. I know. Wouldn't that be nice if they did that? I Remember when the History Channel was actually like history, like Ken Burns documentaries and talking about Civil War? Now it's just reality shows. They do still have that cool series about the such and such that built America that they bring out like once a year. It's like yeah, like the food, the men, the. There's a new one coming out, like the drugs, the sex, drugs, and rock and roll that built America, or something like that. That should be an interesting. Show. That'd be pretty cool. Do you remember when History Channel used to be nothing but that type of shit? Yeah, when I when I when I would watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I was a kid, I used to watch the History Channel all the damn time. Yeah, Discovery. No, dis- the same the same people that own Discovery own CNN. I don't know if History's included in that, but uh, actually, I think. Uh, I don't know. I could be wrong about this, but I think history might be the same affiliate as Fox. 
I could be wrong about that, but either way, this is this this seems like it's going to be a good move. It has to be. It can't make it any worse. It's like it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it can't. It ain't going in the wrong direction. <laughs> it's like the same way I feel about Elon buying Twitter, right? It's it's just like I maybe it won't work, but I cannot imagine a scenario where it gets worse than it is now. So, good luck, Chris Licht. Good luck, uh, CNN. Uh, do you have anything else? Anything else to add with regards to that particular topic? I hope to see Jim Acosta and Brian Stelter gone. Where would they go? You think they'd go to a place like uh, Vice? MSNBC. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I'm such an idiot. I, that should have been the first answer. <laughs> but I don't they... think people like that would have room at Vice. I mean, yeah, but Vice has gone so far, so far left themselves. They're woke, but they're like so. Uh... Well, how, about, how about the Daily Beast? I can see that, yeah. Yeah, there you go. That's right. NPR? No, not NPR. NPR definitely wouldn't want them. <laughs> no, they'd like, get the fuck out of here. Uh, anyway, do you want? I know you didn't watch the January 6th stuff, but I've got a lot to yeah, say. Yeah, so you're going to have, yeah, you have to give me the, the rundown. Then you just get my first reaction. I couldn't watch it when I was in the mountains. So I am one of like seven idiots in the entire country that I actually sat down on Thursday evening when we weren't when we, we, we decided to, to push our show to Sunday. And I watched the whole thing. And it basically starts off with 34 minutes of Liz Cheney using words like danger and threat and war. The same kind of stuff that the blue and on folks like to accuse the right of using the same type of rhetoric. Like this is a war and it's, it's bullshit both Did ways. Did you just say blue and on? Yeah. Blue and on. Isn't that a fun one? I, I've never heard of that before. I, I haven't, uh, I did not coin that term. I did hear that somewhere else. It might've been uh, one of Jimmy Dore's guests. I did. So don't, don't give me credit for that. But yeah, I mean the, the blue and on folks believe just as crazy a conspiracy theories as the QAnon folks, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Russia Gate, you know. So it's thirty-four minutes of, of Liz Cheney and 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 they, you know, they bring in two two guests, um, or whatever they were, testimonies. What are their names? I got some some shitty notes here. Nick Quested, who is a uh documentary filmmaker that was actually following the Proud Boys around while this was happening, which which was that was sort of an interesting testimony. Um, and the other one was Officer Caroline Edwards, who you might remember from the footage. She was the one that was trying to hold the barricades and got knocked over. I think so. And, uh, and, and had a concussion. And look, to me, you could tell, first of all, Nick Quested didn't want to be there. That's number one. Because he even said, why are, when they asked, why are you here? He said, I was fucking subpoenaed. <laughs> That's why he's there. Uh, Caroline Edwards wanted to tell her story. And, and I get it. And obviously what happened to her was awful. My whole issue with this whole thing is it's nothing but trying to pull at the heartstrings and use the American public's emotions to manipulate their minds. This is what we see all the time. So what we see, it's what we see all over the news. And it, and, and you know, it's not, it's not a partisan issue. You know, both sides do it. You know, it's, right. it's what we see with the gun stuff. It's what we see uh, all over the place. And so, as I'm sitting there watching, and I'm I'm thinking about everything that Liz Cheney is saying, 
and I'm and I'm already I already know that we are literally going to find out nothing new about what happened on January 6th. And I'm also thinking to myself, I'm looking at this committee and I'm going, it's all Democrats, uh, Liz Cheney, and there's one other Republican. I forget, uh, I, I had it in front of me, but it was another one of the Republicans that was in like the Liz Cheney camp of, you know, this is all Donald Trump's fault and he should go to prison for this kind of... So, so you look at this and you go, where's the defense in this hearing? Where is the defense for those that were there that weren't violent? Where is the defense for, I mean, even the defense for Donald Trump, even if you think he's responsible for this? And the reactions that I get to that are, well, you know, when you try to stage a coup against the American people, you you shouldn't be entitled to a defense. And I look at that and I go, do you not understand how fucking un-American that is? To, to yeah. say that, somebody's not entitled to a defense now look i understand it's a congressional hearing it's not a trial so they're not legally entitled to a defense but we're talking about principle here don't you think there should be at least a couple of people on that committee that would defend whatever it is they're trying to accomplish here because i think what they're trying to accomplish here is i think they're trying to make it provable that Donald Trump should be disqualified from running for office instead of just letting the American people decide that. Right. So, right. Yeah. Instead of uh, coming up with a better candidate than Biden, everybody saw what happened. Right. Like when I look at January 6th, this, this is what I take out of it. What happened that day? I, I think it demonstrated that Donald Trump is incompetent. I think it demonstrated that if it hadn't already been proven, obviously, that he is an absolute narcissist and that he is unfit for office. I think it did prove that. What I don't think January 6th proved was that there was some grand scheme from the Trump administration to To overturn the the election. I I think what we know about Donald Trump is he's a guy that flies by the seat of his pants, man. He used some shitty rhetoric and some idiots took it to heart and decided to run amok at the Capitol. Yeah, yeah that's exactly what happened. So you you can you can hold Donald Trump responsible, right? Like you could say you could say that, okay, he's at least partially responsible for this. But what you cannot do is you cannot say that he committed some sort of offense or crime that should make him ineligible from running for office in 2024. Instead of doing that, why don't you do your job better so that somebody like Donald Trump, who should in any by any measure be easily defeatable by any even semi-competent candidate? But no, you have to we, we, we have this banana republic thinking now where both both parties are 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 at this place where they're they're trying to save democracy. And how are they trying to save democracy? By making it less democratic. And it started with Donald Trump telling all of his sycophants that the election was stolen. That was that was kind of the the that's kind of the Republican MAGA version of it. And now you have this Democratic version where we have to prove that Donald Trump is a criminal, and we're we're in a place where now we're we're trying to throw our political opponents in prison just for being our political opponents, or at least getting like getting them. Yeah, yeah. So he now, did it too. Yeah, now the shoes they have the other foot. Yeah, don't. Yeah, but so don't, I got. I, go ahead. I've been talking. I'm sorry. So long. No, you can finish up. 
No, I mean, I was just going to kind of just comment on two things you said about like the defense and how people are trying to say uh, like, oh, but, you know, it's a coup. You know, when you're like that, you don't deserve an offense in this country. A lot of times what kills me is when people, the people that say that are usually advocates of even Muslim terrorists getting some sort of legal representation. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter whether you agree with the people or not in this country. Like, we should always be able to have some sort of legal representation no matter what, because that's what, like, our Constitution uh, promises. That, like, everyone has fair representation no matter how heinous of a person you are that you still have that right to have someone help you defend yourself. So that was like my thing when you talk about how people are saying the thing about the defense thing, it's like, it's, it's, it can't just be based on your ideologies because that's a slippery slope. The other thing was uh, the overthrow thing, which is what kills me when they're trying to say that like these, a bunch of fucking idiots stormed the Capitol and that, they were that the government or the constitution and the government was almost overthrown, like as in like <laughs> like squatters' rights. I think I've said it before. It's like who knew that two hundred years of precedents built that built that were built that was built by the constitution could just be all undone by just a couple hundred people and squatters' rights just sitting in the capital. Like that's it. Like that's the government just got overthrown. We're a nuclear armed <laughs> nuclear armed uh, country, but like. A bunch of people running around with fucking bear mace and Confederate flags inside our capital is able to like that. That's overthrowing our government. Like if they like like if they ripped up some documents that were like on the table, like that's it. Like that's yeah. that's what the Democrats are saying. That like they were a heartbeat away. It's we almost there was almost a coup. Like you like really like that that was it. Like that's how close it was. Like that's all it took. Like you mean to tell me I can round up some boys and then we can just go fucking run the country that easily? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean. Like, hey, boys, what are you doing this weekend? I don't know. We just have to go sit in the Capitol building for six hours, and look, it's ours, I guess. It was it was a scary day, and it was definitely a a dangerous situation, and it was it was it was it was definitely a low point for our democracy. Okay, (laughs) I I would not disagree with any of that. I'm not one of these people that like, and I don't think there are many of these people that like think January six. Oh, it wasn't a big deal. I don't think there are many people that feel that way about it, but it goes back to uh, what we were talking about with CNN about 10 minutes ago. It's just this, this, this need to push it to a place where it just didn't need to go. The facts and what actually happened on that day are enough. Why do we have to always make it more than it is? And, 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 why do you always have to make it more than what it is and and lose your credibility? Because now you're just you're telling lies where you don't need to tell lies. It's because if you make it more than what it is, then you just it gives like juice and like gumption to like legislate more bills. I guess, but the American people see you know, right through that, right? Don't you? Yeah, think? yeah. Like when I was, I watched a lot of that happening on the TV as it was happening, and. Like, it was crazy. There was violence. It was nuts. It was chaotic to see. But, like, it reminded me of watching, you know, any of the protests that were happening the summer beforehand. It was crazy. It was chaotic. There's a lot of people that are pissed off and angry and running around just causing a scene. Bright and I should point out that today's not the ninth. I think I forgot to yeah. change the date. We were supposed to air this on the ninth, but thanks for pointing yeah. that out. I'll fix it in post, <laughs> Bright and Eyes. I appreciate that. And, uh, and yeah, it was just a lot of people just dumbasses going out there and just acting a fool. 
And I never, when I was watching it, I remember thinking, holy shit, like this is a big, it is like a big, this is our Capitol building that's being stormed. A lot of weight, wild shit is happening right now. But I never felt like the constitution or like the government itself was at risk. Like, you, like, you understand what I'm saying? Like, it, like, what were those 150 people that actually got inside the Capitol? You know, however many there were, there was probably more. Like, what were they going to do? Just like, oh, that's it. They're just going to sit down with their box of crayons and etch out a new constitution and that's it? Like, we have a new government? Like, I mean, there was a time there where, you know, on that day where you felt like, you know, I felt a little nervous for our elected officials there for a minute. Like, okay, what are these people actually going to do if they if they get a hold of one of them? I mean, in, in hindsight, and like seeing the aftermath, it do- doesn't seem like they would have done much, right? I mean, I know I know they like to show that footage of the noose hanging out front, you know, the hang Mike Pence uh, chant or whatever. But then, like, you see a lot of these aftermath pictures, and it's it's just just it's just idiots. It's just idiots like smiling in front of statues and like sitting at Nancy Pelosi's oh, just desk, fucking with their taking feet up. selfies with their feet. Yeah. yeah, that's I mean, they're just a bunch of dumbasses. They they were outside yelling, they're going to change the government. And then when they actually got inside, they didn't know what the fuck they were supposed to do. They were there. There's footage of them just like reading papers on the desk. You know, like it's like, Ooh. oh man, <laughs> reading their papers. And Some it, guy stole the podium and got fucked for it. You know what I mean? Like, you know what's really went, funny is I feel like I feel like in this hearing, uh, the, the 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 testimony of Nick Quested, Patrick's time just asked how many FBI agents were there. At least Probably. one. At, at least one. <laughs> yeah, Ray Epps. Yeah, we know uh, that. Not one. <laughs> not comfortable about of too many. <laughs> yeah, I mean one is too many, right? <laughs> Isn't one too many? Yeah. Uh, anyway, the the testimony of Nick Quested, I actually thought this actually like didn't help the um didn't help their point the panel's point on this because they showed some footage that we hadn't seen before that he was filming when he was following the proud boys around uh then i don't remember how long he was with them but they showed footage from the night before uh on january 5th and uh what's this nuts uh the 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 uh the colombian guy the old leader what am i thinking of barrio is that his name yeah, something like that. Isn't Enrique, it fitting that we're Enrique Dario or Barrio meets with the Old Keepers guy and they like have this meeting about what they're going to do that day? And the, the committee tries to like point to that as if somehow Donald Trump's responsible for that. I mean, he may be indirectly responsible for that because of the stupid things that come out of his mouth. But th- that's this is my whole point. Like all of this stuff you could accuse Donald Trump of being indirectly responsible for, which makes him, in my opinion, incompetent for office but again let the democratic process play that out the american people saw that right you know it's it's this treatment like we're fucking stupid like we can't figure it out on our own let the guy run in 2024 stop this nonsense and figure out how to i don't know be better leaders and select better candidates just pick a goddamn upturned mop with a bucket on its head. It would probably <laughs> beat Trump, but instead they gave us Biden. Well, he did beat Trump, but barely by the skin of his balls. Some people yeah, still just, don't think just, he beat him. That's what I'm saying. It goes to show you that all you really needed was an upturned <laughs> mop with a bucket on its head. Luckily, I mean, Some, Joe Biden's probably got a lot of skin on his balls. He's put a couple little guy. googly eyes on there and shake it around and makes it look a little shifty. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, my IQ is like half of what it normally is. <laughs> and the other thing that's interesting about that is they, they, they keep portraying the Oath Keepers 
and the Proud Boys as like some sort of like extra violent organizations. Well, here's what I know about these two organizations, and I don't know a ton, so somebody can correct me if they'd like to. Are they anti-government? 100%, which is why they supported Donald Trump so feverishly because he was supposed to be kind of the anti-government presidential candidate. Are they armed? Yep, they're armed. Are they crazy? Yep, they're crazy. The violent part, the violent part is what is often questionable to me. Yeah, like there might be some things where like some of them get arrested for getting rowdy at a protest and things like that. But like, are they uniquely violent compared to any other organization? Are they uniquely violent compared to Antifa? Right, that's what I'm saying. Are they uniquely violent compared to (laughs) fucking football clubs that go out and fight in the street after a football game? Soccer hooligans? Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, they might be violent and rowdy, but are they uniquely violent? Is like, is that, are they the ones that we really need to be focused on? That's another thing too that Quested pointed out was when he was following um, the Proud Boys the morning of January 6th, they weren't walking towards Trump's speech. They were walking towards the Capitol, almost like they were, you know, the way he portrayed it is almost like they were kind of casing it out that morning, which, I mean, okay, I could see that being the case. But they, the, the, the committee acted as if that particular act somehow meant, that again, that Trump was involved. Like, how does that make Trump involved? Directly, I mean, not indirectly, but directly involved. Right. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't yeah, mean anything. Trump- I, like this is the way I see what happened. He went out. He said his speech. He used the same rhetoric that politicians have used time and time again. We're gonna fight like hell. We're gonna, you know, like that's you get you get your base rallied up. You want to get them rallied up to vote and do all the things that you want them to do. And then I think his speech did that. And then I think honestly, where he's most culpable is his lack of response when they were out there doing this shit. I, I had. Think- I don't think he had. That was going to be my next point. Yep. I don't think he had anything to do with the actual planning of this supposed coup. He just, he riled up his base. You know, they love the guy and they really believe what he says. So he riled them up. They went down there and then, you know, you've seen it time and time again with all the other protests we've seen over the summer. Um, a, a rocket's thrown or something and then everyone else just wants to get involved and it just it steamrolls into this crazy erupts into this crazy just chaotic scene that i really don't think trump like initiated intentionally or did whatever but he didn't shut it down yep he didn't have to stop it i i 100 agree with and that. he could have as evidenced by when he actually did like the four <laughs> <laughs> when he actually did like the four hours later or whatever and he said everyone go home i love you you're special mm-hmm. like a goddamn cult they did they snapped and just turned around and left yeah that so he could have done something a lot sooner and but i think like his own narcissism and the awe and like the excitement of the fact that he was able to like, kind of get something like this going he wanted to see what was going to happen i think i think he immediately switched to his tv mode and he like was like separated from the actual like uh, weight of like the issue. Oh, he loves just it. watch. Yeah, he was just watching it on TV. Oh, look yeah. what these people are doing for me. Wow, this is crazy. Look at this. And and uh, the committee also pointed to, um, not just his speech that day, but also all the tweets leading up to it. They even brought up the footage of uh, <laughs> uh what was it? Stand back and stand by. And they brought up the tweet of you know show up. It will be wild. What I find so funny is that like. When it comes to a tweet like that, it's portrayed as 
like some grand master scheme. But then when you watch these committee members speak in the past and you watch uh, news media speak in the past, they talk about Trump's tweets as if they're like some some like unhinged random thing that he does that's super dangerous. But like but this particular tweet was the one that was the, the one that was supposed to mean something. Right, you know yeah, what I mean? we, yeah, we talked about he, yeah, he, he was unhinged. He had no plan. He was uh, unpredictable. That's the whole thing we heard for four years. Mm-hmm. And every tweet, like we made fun of how his tweets were just off the cuff, and he just said things. But then this day, yeah, exactly. Like that was the one that was planned. That was the one that was the one. I mean, just again, look, terrible day. Hated it. Trump bears some responsibility for what happened that day. There's no question about that. But you don't have to make it more than what it is. And the American people yeah. will decide. And stop yeah, making us feel stupid. He didn't help the situation whatsoever. He was very incompetent in his reaction. But yeah, he didn't sit there with people in a room and be like, all right, now what we're going to do is <laughs> I'm going to have you guys storm the Capitol yeah, and you know, just you know, squat for four hours because that's what's going to win me my election. Like, <laughs> like ridiculous. what? It's ridiculous. And it, you know what's really funny too is like I think because I, I was kind of following Twitter during it too, and I was I was looking at the hashtag and and a lot of the more like left leaning tweets. So both th- this is again pointing out why Twitter is a cesspool that doesn't reflect what's actually going on in America. Uh, you had all the people on the right saying, "But gas prices though," <laughs> and then you had and you had, and you had all the people on the left going. Gee, it's no wonder Fox News isn't carrying this tonight. Like those were the two arguments that had absolutely nothing to do with what was actually <laughs> taking place on the television screen. And by the way, the people on the left that were saying Fox didn't carry it, they're just fucking wrong. They carried it on two networks. It just wasn't on Fox News. It was on Fox Business and it was on Fox Local. And the Fox Local was uh I think it was Brett Bear and uh one of the other blonde ladies from from Fox. It was a Fox News panel. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, and they syndicated it to every local channel. Yeah. It just wasn't on Fox News, yeah. the cable channel. I mean, why would you sacrifice Tucker Carlson, the highest rated guy in uh, in cable news? When you can literally send it to everybody anyways. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So it's like, relax, with the, well, relax with the Fox News didn't carry it bullshit. Yeah. That's dumb. <laughs> I don't know. Do you have anything else to say? I mean, did, did I fill you in? It's a nothing burger, dude. Uh, pretty, yeah, you know, it, it sounds like there's not much more that I'm getting from this than I had before. There's a bunch of jackasses that thought they could overrun the government by just squatting, which still is just for, so hard for me to wrap my mind around that they thought that like that that's how you overturn our government is just going in, stealing a podium, dressing up like a Viking, <laughs> making some noises. And there's photos of like old ladies and they look like they were just lost on a tour. Like, 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 give me a break. Well, like yeah, that. we just really like Trump. I just told he told us to come down here, so I figured we'd come. Like to the I Capitol. said, they were all fucking idiots. Yeah, yeah. But it, it, the the uh, the Constitution and our way of life wasn't like on the brink of losing it. You are Trump a rude, wasn't. terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> and Trump, yeah, Trump wasn't sitting there, cons- sitting up late at night, conspiring how to get his constituents to fucking take over the. Fucking capital. I don't know. It's yeah, it's dumb. It's stupid. <laughs> I feel dumb and I feel stupid. I feel a lot more dumb after having that discussion. <sighs> uh how about the stock act filers, Corey? This is this is more your story than mine. I know a little bit about it. I'm gonna pull up the article you sent me. 
Um, but one of them was our was our boy here in Michigan, Gary Peters. Yeah, so at least two more Democrats or Republican senators failed to report stock transactions last year as a ban on congressional stock trading flounders in a Senate working group. I'm looking at an article from uh, Prospect.org. It was originally. It was originally. Uh, it was. It was originally from Sludge, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Prospect uh, republished it. Yep, you're right. And uh, yeah, so look at this article, and the one I'm really focused on is Gary Peters because he's our local uh, uh, senator, whatever here from Michigan. But he's one of the ones that also like so. This article is basically talking about the deadline for members of Congress to file their annual financial disclosures for 2021 was May 16th. But as usual, most members failed to file, availed themselves a 90 day extension that will give them until sometime in August to release their reports. So 20, only 23 senators of the 50 actually filed their annual 2021 disclosure by the deadline. And the rest of them just keep kicking it along. And Gary Peters. Uh, is one of those on May 16th. He filed for transactions he made in 2021. The tra- Wait, two senators, Democrat John Hipp- Hickenlooper of Colorado and Gary Peters of Michigan, filed periodic transaction reports on May 16th, 2022 for transactions they made in 2021. The transactions were also included in their 2021 annual disclosures. The third Republican, Jerry Moran of Kansas, has not yet addressed his missing periodic transaction report for last year for stock transactions that appeared in his 2021 annual disclosure for the first time. So basically, these three guys, like, they just don't reach, re- uh, they haven't turned in their filing for like what they're actually trading in their stocks. Um, let me find the part right here. Um, so on the May 16th, Gary Peters' office finally filed his PTR. For, for an August 2021 purchase listed in his annual disclosure between $1,000 and $15,000 worth of stocks in FSKKR Capital Core, a credit solutions company. The senator did not file a PTR for the transaction last year as required by law. Sludge's inquiries to Peter's office about the Transaction and Stock Act of comp- Compliance did not receive a response. So this is why it pisses me off with him mostly. Right here, it says in the article, the second term Peters has has considerable influence over whether the Senate will move this year to limit stock transactions or ownership by its members. Peters is the chair of the Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee, where two stock trading reform bills have been referred. Senator Jeff Markley's ban on federal lawmakers trading stocks, which was reintroduced last year after being introduced in the previous 15th and 115th and 116th Congresses. And Senator John Offset's ban on lawmakers owning individual securities other than through a blind trust, both of which have yet to receive a hearing or other legislative action. Now, we've talked about these two bills before. We were talking a couple of weeks ago about how uh, we think that the government needs to, that the senators and the House of Representatives need to limit their stock trading because it's just, it's a conflict of interest. They get an unfair shake on it compared to anyone else. And What's crazy to me is it's our own boy, Peters. These people that are in charge of whether or not these bills are going to even make it anywhere are uh, taking advantage of the very thing that <laughs> we're talking about right now. Yeah, I mean, when you, you when you have an inside track on policy, that's, I mean, it's not technically insider trading, but it might as well be. So let's make that the case. Yep. 
Yeah, so the chair of the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee this cycle, Peters, was similarly a frequent stock trader last year, filing six PTRs. The Hill reported recently that he is a part of a working group of Democratic senators seeking consensus on new laws on stock moves by members of Congress that could pass the upper chamber in this midterm elections year. The Homeland Security Committee Chair Peters reports owning between $15,000 and $50,000 worth of stock in Raytheon, which receives the vast majority of its revenue from federal defense contracts, hmm. as well as many assets in the fossil fuel industry, such as electric company Next Era, Pacific Gas and Electric, and oil field services company Schlumberger. That's such a fitting name for a uh, oil company, Schlumberger. I think the... the- I mean the 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 revelation the re- ugh, revelation of these three Congress people is interesting enough. I think the more interesting thing to me is the fact that only twenty three senators filed this on time. Right. Yeah, and, it could, and I guess that's what pisses me off the most is the fact that like the senators that are violating the stock acts and violating these laws are the ones that are in charge of whether or not the other 23 who are actually trying to pass bills to make it right are deciding whether or not the bill even makes it. And they've been in like, let's like, how long have they been just sandbagging the stock act and stuff like that? When Cause the new term happens. When does the new, uh, when does the new Congress term start? I guess it would be January of 23, right? But, but isn't there like their, their, uh, their sessions. Oh, you mean there's next session. You know what? I'm not sure. I'm not even uh, sure if they're in session right now. Yeah, so like when their next session begins, all of this stuff has to get knocked back to the beginning, and it all gets relined up to be reintroduced again. Yeah, so they they basically and so it's like they're just they kicking put the it can off, down the road. They can put it off until August with with their, yeah. the, with their ninety day extension. Yeah, I see. I see what you're saying there. Um, yeah, so that that's what it'll be. It'll be a kick the can down the road situation. This is one of those things where um, they're just hoping the American people forget. And stop holding them accountable, which is why we have things like the January 6th hearings, a nice distraction, which is why we have things like uh, continuing this war in Ukraine, a nice distraction. Keep the American people distracted. This And I, it's, you know what's funny is like I've actually been told this is a conspiracy theory. Like, oh, you're just you, this is a, you, you, you and your, your weird conspiracies about our, our government trying to hurt us. It's like, I don't think they're trying to hurt us. They're just letting their self-interest supersede the right. interest of the American people. Right, which is in turn hurting us. You yeah. know what I mean? And the, inefficiency, the inefficiencies and the, uh, yeah, just the inefficiencies that we face as American citizens through, from our government is a byproduct of them just trying to stuff their own pockets. And doing nothing. Because if you, just, if you yeah. just do nothing... Then nobody can get mad at you. Nobody can, no, nobody might be happy with you, but nobody can get mad at you because you didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, keep your mouth shut, stay quiet, make sure people recognize your name on that ballot. That's all you really need to do. Trade your stocks, make a bunch of money, and then go work for Raytheon uh, after you're after you're you're done being, you're done being a congressperson. That's pretty much. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. It's just it's just so mind numbing to me the fact that like Peters is in charge of the uh, the board that would be seeing the uh, what what Peters is the chair of the home. What where is it? The second term, Peters has considerable influence over whether the Senate will move this year to limit the stock transactions and ownership by its members. And I forget what board he's on that would that makes that a thing. 
I'm just looking for it real quick, but I don't see it. So we'll move on. But yeah, he, uh, it's frustrating that like him and Pelosi are both just like stonewalling any sort of progress when they claim to be the party of progress. They're progressives, Corey. Don't you know that? Yeah. How dare you say that about, about Queen Princess Pelosi and Prince Peters? How dare you say that? That is, you know, if if that's what progressivism is, then I think we need to, I need to rethink my political ideology. <laughs> need to rethink what progressivism is. Uh, yeah, this is uh, th- this isn't the end of this. Uh, Corey's done a really good job, better than me, of kind of keeping track of this because, again, I just I think it's going to be one of those things that I mean, because Congress is really good at this. They're really good at just kind of just barely saying they're going to do something and kicking it down the road a little bit, blaming Republicans or Democrats depending on who's in power, and. You know, we can't get anything done, and eventually the American people just forget about it. Yeah. And that's yeah, what we're going to try right. not to do here. We're and gonna, just going to start all over again. And then, yeah, it's... I was I met I met some people from the UK yesterday, Dan. Oh, yeah? And they basically just dog shit on our system. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I mean, that's all I we do, but, so you're probably, you were probably but, in agreement. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, no, you're right. He goes, you uh, he goes it's just fucked up there. And like, I was trying to explain to him, which I don't think he understood because I was really inebriated. <laughs> so it was like doing a terrible job. But I was like, trying to explain like, to him here, that the system we have is great. It's the people that are in charge are abusing that system, but it's that very system that we can use that could get rid of them and make the system better. It's just this piece. It's like this piece of tool. That's like a multi, like a multi-tool that can be used for very, very good but also very, very bad. And that we can, it's just, we've all been asleep. Yeah. It's you know, a- we've all been, been distracted and asleep for the past 50 years at the wheel. And we just let things get out of control. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a psychological game, man, especially with the internet now, dude. Like I saw yesterday, right. Um, I saw a meme that's, you, you might've seen this. I think, I think it made the rounds that, that said uh, it had a picture of gas prices at a dollar ninety nine. And it said, never forget January 6th. <laughs> and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you talking about the height of the pandemic where nobody was on the road and there was a huge supply of gasoline and no demand? Is that what you're trying to like? That's your point about why Joe Biden sucks and why and why Donald Trump is good. Really? That's that's what you're going to use. Yeah. 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 No, Biden fucked up with the gas and stuff. Sure. There's more he could be doing now. I I don't, I don't, I don't place, and we've talked about this. I don't place all of the blame on him for it being so high currently, but there's definitely, exactly. There's definitely more that could be done now to at least. Same with inflation, same with all the shit that we're dealing with right now. 100%. Yeah. And that's, that's my thing too. It's like a lot of this stuff was in the works to happen regardless. I don't blame Biden, but I'm pissed off that he doesn't fucking do his job and just, you know, to bring it, to make it, better he tries to run the presidency as a senator and he doesn't use the tools that he has like you know what like these exorbitant food prices you know these oils these oil companies who are doing all this do the same thing taft did during the rail railroad uh days when he told the railroad company like while congress was trying to pass a bill to regulate like ticket prices he sent his attorney general to the rail the railroad and go hey listen you need to lower your prices this bill's coming through and when they said no he, uh, he had his attorney general go. Or his attorney general go. Well, all right then. Uh, we're going to have to go take a look at the Sherman Act. Or I think it's the Sherman Act, the one that the trust busting act. 
He basically told him that like you either play ball or we're gonna make your life a living hell and look at breaking up all your companies. Yeah, and and look, and like, there's tools in his toolkit that he can, like things like that that he can do. He's just not. And there are there are pros and cons to using all of those tools. The problem is nobody's even willing to have the discussion about what those pros and cons are. I mean, there's you know there's Russia. There's also a few things that that FDR did when the uh, when when the war came because. The American people were really scared of a really high inflation because everything was going towards the war effort. And so what did what did FDR do? Rationing. Food. Yeah, he rationed the food. It was eggs and and dairy and bread. Like and and again, if if Biden were to do something like that, there would be cons to it, right? It wouldn't be a perfect fix, but right. there would be and pros to was, it as well. There was another guy later, uh, was it Nixon? Yeah, Nixon in seventy one with uh, I believe it was gasoline, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe one of yeah, our maybe one do? of our boomer friends can tell us exactly what that was. But yeah, he yeah. What did he do to fight uh, a runaway inflation little gambit? Uh, I forget what he did exactly, but he he didn't do rationing. He did something more of like the something with the free market. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what that was, but but we don't we're not the ones who are supposed to be responsible for knowing that, and it seems like we know even a little bit more than the president does about even what the president doesn't know anything. Dan, the guy <laughs> knows doesn't know what he had for breakfast. <laughs> he uh, Nixon Nixon had uh, imposed some uh, some some price controls. Yeah, uh, and and abolished the fixed exchange. Okay, so yeah, that's. There's, there's things that the president could do that he's just not doing. And again, that was a fix that had its cons. Like, that was yeah, not like, perfect. What a leader. What did he say? What did Biden say? There's nothing we can do. Or oh, something yeah. like except, that. Except raise interest rates, which, by the way, should have been. I, and you can you can put this one a little bit on Donald Trump when interest rates were artificially low. And now now you have to now the Fed has to raise them, which hurts who? Yeah, the lower class. Middle and lower class people that actually have debt. Yeah. Right. So yeah, and yeah, part of that's on Donald Trump as well. Sorry, sorry, MAGA folks. Hate to uh, hate to hurt your feelings, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. When that when the economy was steamrolling, like imagine if they raised it up like a half percent or a percent, and then just have more wiggle room to play with it while uh, the economy is bad. It's funny because I actually said that because they kept lowering it when 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 Trump was president. And I was like, this is a tool that you use when the economy is going into a recession. Mm-hmm. And now that tool is not there because it's just been lowered so much. That's so just one less thing we can do to help fight a recession and inflation and stuff. But gas prices were $1.99 on January 6, 2021, Corey. Yeah. <laughs> so and we couldn't go anywhere. What a good what a good time in, in America that was. I, but Biden is trying to do $1.99 gas for gas that you can't use for shit because everything's closed. Great times. <laughs> Uh, Biden is trying to do something though, Corey. He's trying to. He's uh, uh, he first first he was going to Saudi Arabia, then he wasn't going to Saudi Arabia. Now I'm pretty sure he's going to Saudi Arabia again to to do business with a, a genocidal regime. And uh, I'd like to expound on that now, Corey, if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. With my uh, with my w- w- a, a monologue that might not be the best one I've ever written, but uh, it this one probably because I was so emotional about it, <laughs> it means a lot to me. <laughs> Uh, golf, false equivalence, and genocide. Outside of family and friends, there are two things that are extremely important to me in 2022. They are transparent transparency about humanitarian crises and the game of golf. For the past few months, the two have crossed paths like never before with the announcement of the Saudi-backed LIV Golf League. 
and subsequently PGA players exiting the PGA Tour to take part in the new league. It shouldn't be hard to see why this is upsetting to those of us that like to keep track of the world's evils, but it's even more upsetting to those of us that also enjoy watching the best in the world swing their sticks on sleepy Sunday weekend afternoons. Hell, I might be the only one in America that feels as strongly about both. I, for one, was hopeful that PGA players would scoff at the idea of playing golf in a league that's backed by a tyrannical, corporatized, genocidal government that hangs homosexuals publicly, believes rape is the fault of the victim, and is systematically attempting to eradicate the Houthi people in Yemen. Money be damned in any amount, there is no way these already pretty well-to-do men are going to be caught dead taking a paycheck from mass murderers. I've been proven wrong. With the likes of of major championship winners Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, Phil Mickelson, Patrick Reed, Sergio Garcia, and others, all deciding that a few thousand dead brown kids is plenty worth it for a payday. Dustin Johnson alone was offered $100-plus million in guaranteed money to play in the Saudi-backed league, matching his career prize money earnings on the PGA Tour that began back in 2007. This $100 million is just to play. It doesn't include added bonuses event pr- or event purses. So you can see why all that dough would be tempting if the paychecks weren't signed by a regime of mass murderers. The first question you may ask is, you know, how can the Saudis afford to pay all this money out on an experimental golf league? It's simple. Saudi Aramco, the public, air quotes, petrol company owned by the Saudi government, has been tussling with Apple as the most valuable company in the world with a market value of $2.39 trillion as of May 27th, 2022. The money's no object for the Saudis here. They don't care about turning a profit on this golf league. It's nothing more than a westernized cover for their atrocities. People love sports. What better propaganda arm than well-known professional athletes? Just ask the Chinese Communist Party how they feel about the NBA. There's certainly some backlash directed at the PGA players, but not nearly enough for it to matter. So why is it so easy for these golfers to slide over to the Saudi league with very little public backlash? The same reason Saudi Arabia has been able to escape backlash from the corporatized state media for decades. The Saudis have oil. We need oil. We shouldn't need their oil, but that's another monologue entirely. Administrations on both sides of the aisle have walked in and kissed the feet of the crown princes for years. Republicans and Democrats both agree that dead American journalists and brown kids are a small price to pay for almost anything, but especially oil. So if there's no way to spin the Saudis up in our culture war infotainment, why bother talking about it? Ukrainians, on the other hand, are both white refugees and tied up in a war with Russia. Now, there is some sexy propaganda to get Americans pissed at each other and voting for shitty candidates for fear that the other is going to blow up the country. And then there's the false equivalence angle. Sports media getting involved in politics is always a drunken stroll into a whorehouse. They either sit on the side of the room nervously pretending nothing's happening, or they dive in headfirst and walk out with crabs in their eyebrows. 
I've seen hot takes ranging from the more thoughtless and relatively benign, well, you know, what somebody offers you, buddy, Jib, you gotta take it, to the smooth-brained, what's wrong with these guys getting paid? Do you buy gasoline at Nike shoes? Stop with the selective outrage. With the latter belonging to a pretty prominent morning talk show host in my hometown of Detroit. The oil comparison being idiotic because it is a remarkably nuanced global market and geopolitical issue. It's also a product that we have to use in order to live. Many people are unhappy with how we acquire it. The Nike comparison being dumb because not everybody wears Nikes. And Nike may be paying children three cents to make a pair of shoes in a third world country. But last I checked, they're not hanging them in the streets for their sexual orientation or bombing them off the face of the earth for their religious beliefs. That's how shitty this thing is. That's how stupid this thing's gotten. I'm defending Nike. That may be a first. That was just one example of the takes, or I should say a couple examples of the takes that you get from the sports, when the sports media injects itself into a political or geopolitical issue. The PGA players that left to join the Saudi League is not nuanced. It's not difficult. It's not much of a debate. They took a large payday from a group of war criminals and genocidal maniacs to play a game, which is certainly their right, as it is my right, and the right of all humanitarians to call them what they are. A group of men making blood money paid by perpetrators of possibly the world's biggest humanitarian crisis. Make no mistake, I'm well aware that with the things I buy, the way I live, and the country that I live in, that I am in some way participating in a humanitarian problem somewhere around the world. I think most of us are. But if Kim Jong-un came to me and offered me $100 million to produce a propaganda podcast for his regime, it's not complicated. It's not nuanced. The answer is no, you piece of shit. How you feel, Corey? <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that was actually really good. It's insane to me how, uh, how some people do just take the money and run in that they're willing, and I, you know, when you think about, it, I wonder how many of them even know who Jamal Khashoggi is. Ooh, Bryson DeChambeau, maybe the dumbest person on tour before. Uh, he probably thinks that uh, Yemen is like a ingre- a baking ingredient <laughs> or something. Yeah, that, or something some sort that of seasoning. It 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 really really makes me mad because I you know me I do love golf I watch it every weekend I watch these guys for a long time. Yeah, your opinion, your golf is like me with country music. It's just something that like you just really, really appreciate, and then you hate it when people bastardize anything about it. And it's like, imagine if like you're you're like a group of your like five favorite country artists of all time uh, took a big payday to go play like a concert for the for the Saudi government, and it was like pop country. Ugh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would call I would call them fucking sellouts. That's what that's what these guys are. Such they're sellouts. They're selling out, like you said, for blood money. There's no yeah, and there's there's no nuance to this. You know, if if you want to be like. Well, they have every right to take the money. You're right, they do. And the rest of us have every right to go to their press conferences and ask them how they feel about the Houthi people in Yemen and ask them how they feel about homosexual, homosexuals being hung in the streets and ask them how they feel about uh, women being the ones that are punished criminally for being raped in this society. Has anyone, has any of the journalists actually like asked any of these golfers those questions? There there have been some, some press conferences where people were... Uh, people are trying to ask questions and have been thrown out 
Oh no shit. Yep. They've been they've been removed from they've been moved from the they've been removed from the press conferences. They're just being hush hush about this, huh? They're like, ah, just go on, just get out of here, I guess. That's but that's what this whole league is for the Saudis. It's just you would think the PGA would be making a bigger stink about it because not only are they losing their big like based on the money, they're losing their big players. It's it, the 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 PGA has been pretty hush hush about this. The biggest statement that they've made is that their commissioner. So some of these guys actually revoked. They they actually canceled their PG their PGA affiliation. Um, they they canceled their tour cards. Some of them decided to keep their tour cards. The PGA has taken the steps to suspend these guys all indefinitely. Um, but the re it's not because it's it's not because they're going to play for the Saudis. It's because they're it's they're violating their rules. Because so what you're supposed to do if you go to play in an event that's not um, put on by the PGA is you're supposed to get a release signed by the PGA giving you permission to go play in that event because it's a contract. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody's done that. Now look, I, I won't talk a whole lot about this, but this is going to be uh, something that might be brought up by some of the more I guess I guess some of the smarter uh, sports media people, which is that a lot of the PGA players have been bitching about the pay structure in the PGA for a long time. Um, I've taken a, like a little bit of a look at it. It is it is it is a. I don't think these guys get paid enough for playing the game. But the thing is, when you're really good, when you're a Dustin Johnson, you know how many endorsement deals you get. Yeah, you get a lot of money. I mean. It, 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 it's it's made up somewhere and there's no way I'm going to accuse the PGA of being more uh, I guess evil than, <laughs> than, than the, the Saudi than, government. Than the Saudi government. Yeah. I mean it, 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 there's no nuance here I don't think. <coughs> I, haven't, I haven't heard a good argument for why it's okay for these players to do this. <coughs> no you're right. It is fucked up. Other than it's their right to do I guess. That's about the best argument but it's still Go ahead and kill journalists and hold the American people hostage with your oil and but kill brown kids. You you know we we don't America's never cared about dead brown kids. So no. who cares? Now dead white no, kids not. that's a problem. Yeah, we're okay with killing brown. We're not okay with killing black. That's, that's true. That's, that's the true. American thing. If yeah, you're, if you're anywhere in the middle. Yeah, <laughs> white people get killed. It's an outcry. Black person gets killed by the white people. It's an outcry. Brown people. Nah, it's yeah, whatever. Put them in cages. They should have picked a color, Corey. Yeah, what what were they thinking? They should have. How 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 dare they just live in a country that we fucked up with their cartels and drug war? And then when they tried to come here for a better life, who do they <laughs> think they are? Throw them in a cage. And speaking of which, Corey, I think we got a little bit of time. Uh, if you wanna if you wanna get into uh, some of these uh, police municipalities rethinking the way they police. You know, I was actually gonna bring that up a little bit. And it's really cool to see, but I think that's that right there is I feel like a conversation in its own, like a half hour. That's something that we would really unpack. We can save it and for next week. I think we can because yeah, I gotta go get ready for this wedding here in a little bit. I'm supposed to be at the uh, the hall at one. The place where so, they do the vows. Place where they do the vows. Yeah. Well, tell the people where they can find us, Corey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We actually didn't say that in the beginning either. I feel so dumb. I've been just <laughs> drinking and smoking the past four days <laughs> on vacation. Like, my, like I said, my IQ feels like it's 
way too low. So let's see if I can actually get this right. Don't be, su- <laughs> don't, don't be surprised if Corey comes back with COVID because he destroyed his immune system this week. <laughs> I drink a lot of orange juice. I, like, I, like I said, I woke up. <laughs> I woke up and ran down for the continental breakfast and I saw like family from like the UK down there. And, like they were looking at me and I'm all fucking hungover. They're like, you're standing up in the wedding. Huh? And I'm like, ah, <laughs> yeah, just let me just fucking eat this food. I might be laying down in the wedding. <laughs> you're standing i'm gonna try you're standing up in the wedding and i'm just trying to stand up in general (laughs) (laughs) all right libservative podcast you can find us on facebook at libservative you can find us on twitch and twitter at libservative pod we are on wordpress where you can find our monologues the transcripts of them at libservative podcast at wordpress.com you can go to our facebook page at libservative uh, podcast.podpage.com you can reach out to us directly at libservativepod at gmail.com um, we're on YouTube at libservative and we are on Instagram I think I said Instagram whatever so that, that's it we got them you did a great job <laughs> there's probably other places that we missed but just search libservative yeah. wherever you are you'll find us yeah search libservative you'll find us right on all your social media and podcast platforms and until next time he's been Corey Walsh and he has been Dan Griffin the libservative and we are out of here peace We the people cannot stand that.